Hi, and welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. And I'm David Averbach, CEO and publisher. Today, Apple held its spring event and unveiled a new iPhone SE, a new Mac, and an iPad Air. So we want to tell you all about that in today's podcast. We're going to recap the event and help you make sense of all the products announced and whether or not you might be interested in buying them. We'll also let you know the prices and when you can buy them. Yeah, it's one of my favorite days is <laughs> Apple announcement days. <laughs> yeah, so David and I are going to get into all of that. But first, David is going to tell you about our sponsors for this episode. Yeah, so we've got two sponsors today. Our first sponsor is Fanatic. Fanatic makes a calendar app called Informant 5. And if you haven't checked it out, I really recommend checking it out. I love all of Apple's apps, but the calendar app is actually one of my least favorite. I find it really difficult to use. And Informant 5 is just a much easier experience. And they do a couple things much better. Number one, first and foremost, they're just obsessed with the details. They make it really easy to like, just all the basics of managing calendar, they really nail. Number two though, they combine uh, reminders and calendar into one app. Because a lot of times you're sitting there and you're like, do I say remind me that I have a dentist appointment or schedule a dentist appointment? And you have two separate apps, but really they're the same functionality. And by putting them together, you can have a really powerful functionality where you can have a lot of date-based solutions uh, for reminders. And for events, you can have different you know, re reminders baked in. So much more, uh, much better experience. And finally, they are device agnostic. So if you, for example, use a PC or let's say you have an iPad, but you have an Android phone or something like that. You can use it across all your devices. So check it out, it's free to try. The, the app name is Informant5. And our second sponsor today is Nomad. Uh, and I love Nomad products. They have, they have a line of really uh, premium leather iPhone cases. If you're watching, I have it on my phone now. Um, so we've been fans of them for a long time. And they have just released uh, their first MagSafe product, um, or I should say their first MagSafe dock. So in addition to having great premium leather cases, they also have a line of docks that I love. And now they've added a MagSafe dock to that. Um, and it's... Uh, it's a really great product. It's a little bit weighted, which I like for your desk. It looks sleek. So make sure you go check it out at uh, nomadgoods.com. And I also want to tell you about our premium subscription called iPhone Life Insider before we get into our Apple event coverage. Um, for those of you who ha have been subscribed to the Daily Tip for a while, you know that you can get a uh, free iPhone tip sent to your inbox every day. But we also have a premium subscription that really helps you master all of your Apple devices, and it includes video courses and guides where you can learn step-by-step -step how to do things like master iOS 15 or learn how to use your new iPad. So it's a really invaluable community that you can join of other Apple enthusiasts who are all trying to get the most out of their Apple devices together. Uh, you can go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount to sign up and get 10% off. If you are a senior, senior service personnel or veteran, you get an extra 10% off. So iphonelife.com slash podcast discount is where you can go to sign up for that. All right, David, let's get into talking about the event. Let's do it. So um, first, just like, let's talk big picture about today's event. 
what were you expecting and how did it measure up to your expectations? I feel like spring events are always a little bit of a wild card. So just to kind of back up for those who aren't as (laughs) steeped in Apple's ecosystem as we are, Apple typically has, let's say, four main events per year. Uh, It varies year to year, but often four. Uh, They have in September is when they have their iPhone announcement, and that tends to be their biggest event. And then a lot of times later fall, they'll have a secondary event where they'll announce either Macs or iPads. The third event is in the summer, which they have every year, which is WWDC, where they announce the new operating systems. And then the fourth event's a spring event. And the spring event is weird in that it's a little bit often of sort of a cleanup of like whatever products didn't quite fit in anywhere else in the year. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really know what to expect coming in. Um, And I felt like I'm excited to talk about all these products. I think every product announced seemed great. There there weren't any products. I was like, why would Apple announce this? But also it had that same feeling to me of being like a little bit of a cleanup event where none of them were like the latest and greatest and most exciting Apple thing. They were all sort of like, oh, and we have this type products. What do you think? Yeah, it felt like a pretty common sense event to me where yeah. it was like, oh, yeah, that's a a useful update to this product line kind of thing. But I wasn't like, oh, wow, I feel like Apple kind of saves its showstoppers for its September event, and this there weren't a lot of showstoppers today. Yeah, I think the one possible exception would be the Mac Studio, just in the sense that mm-hmm. it is probably debatably, but like, it's definitely going to be one of Apple's most powerful computers, if not Apple's most powerful computer. Uh, You know, they last year announced like the iMac and things like that, but this is so much more powerful than that. So as far as like a product that's going to be like a marquee product, at least in that sense it is, but also I don't think it's a product a lot of people are going to buy, to be honest, and we'll get into that. But that's the only possible exception of being a showstopper. But in in general, yeah, nothing here was particularly showstopper worthy, but also all of them were solid products and a great addition to Apple's lineup. Yeah, With the Mac Studio, it was like just the power of the computer seems really impressive, but it was more um, just not as accessible because it is for more of the pro, you know, buyer. But we'll get into that shortly. So, um, so, yeah. So, let's get into what Apple announced. We can just go in the order of what, what Apple, how Apple announced things. They started out the event with a really, to me, odd move, which was uh, releasing a new color in the iPhone 13 line. And it's this sort of like icky green color. We were all talking about it. We're like, is, is it swamp green? Is that the name of it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you like green, I suppose you might want to get this iPhone well, 13. <laughs> well, Noah, who's responsible for device purchases in our office, grumpily reminded us that we all, I think it was two years ago when Apple originally launched a green iPhone, we all got the green. Yeah, and loved I did. It. I did. So I don't think that we're green haters. No. I think it was a combination of two things. I mean, look, I'm wearing green. You're wearing green. Mm-hmm. You clearly don't hate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was two things. I think it was number one, how... Like, it was the first thing announced, and, yeah. like, a new color is just, in general, a letdown no matter what. Like, I even last year, I think people loved the purple. Uh, I wasn't necessarily, like, a, the purple fan, so maybe this is why. But, like, in general, just a new color just doesn't do it for me. I'm like, who cares? Yeah. It feels like a marketing gimmick to start with. And it also felt like an uglier green. It I don't was think an I loved uglier it. green. But, yeah, you're right. In general, the color release feels like kind of a cheap way to try to like drum up some more interest in an old 
older device. Yeah, you know? it's like they could have just given us green when everybody bought these devices in the yeah. <laughs> in the fall. Instead, they waited for the spring announcement to be like and green, and you're like, all right, I don't care. I know. I think that they could when it feels like a really special limited edition color. I actually feel like the purple one fit into that that category I felt less eye rolly about it than I did today because I was like all right there's like a subset of people who are really gonna like this color we had a few of them in our office yeah we had a few people who were obsessed I still stand by though why wouldn't they just roll out the purple when they rolled out the device no you're right so there's there's just this feeling of a marketing gimmick yeah uh well I'm sure we'll have like the overall question of the week be which of these devices do you like are you gonna buy but I'm going to start by asking, does anybody like the green? <laughs> Send us yeah. an email. Podcast at, <laughs> at iphonelife.com. Tell us we're wrong. Maybe yeah. y'all love swamp green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our other name for it was murky green. <laughs> um, but anyway, Apple also spent a little time at the beginning talking about um, its Apple TV Plus lineup. And, you know, they're working on different Apple original movies also, they're adding Friday Night Baseball to their lineup of uh, content that you get when you sign up for Apple TV+. Plus. Um, Apple TV+, Plus is Apple's subscription service. They have you know their own original content and some other shows and movies as well. I overall, just a like, side note on this, I've gotten into a couple shows on Apple TV+, Plus, but I'd say overall, I, it hasn't really taken off for me. Um, I mean, what I would say is this. It's certainly not like the content juggernaut that, say, Netflix is. Yeah. But thinking about – I think it was two years ago almost exactly because it was in the spring announcement that Apple announced it. Think about how far they've come. I think it's become like an actual competitive service. And they've had some hits. Ted – Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. great. I I love – a lot of their movies – have gotten really great reviews, gotten Oscar nominations. And I think even though this particular announcement, I don't I don't watch baseball, sorry. Uh, but So it w- wasn't that exciting for me. The idea of live sports coming to streaming services is going to be a really interesting trend coming soon. Yeah. Uh, uh, Amazon now has Thursday Night Football exclusively. So these were the, sort of the last holdout of cable was live sports and that's going to break down but it's going to break down in a weird way where if you watch live sports you're going to kind of have to pay for these streaming services so mm-hmm. it's a mixed bag and apple is going to you know wisely is being competitive about it um i think they've done a pretty decent job growing apple um growing their their live offerings especially because they had such a late start relative to netflix but definitely it's not where netflix or hbo are no, but I agree. I'm also the fact they're still continuing to invest in it. Like they had a lot of different titles they were working on uh, would indicate to me that it is doing decently well for them because Apple, I feel like in the past, like they'll throw out different services and then like if it doesn't take off at all, they just don't really mention it much anymore, you like, know? And well, I don't think Apple TV Plus is falling into that category. No, exactly. It's a good point. Like, <laughs> uh, well, it was like Apple News Plus. They yeah. launched at the same time. I don't, I'm guessing it still exists. I don't know anybody who subscribes to it. And we're an Apple fan base, so we would yeah. do it, you know? And they only had a few newspapers. I know, I think it was either LA Times or Washington, or um, Wall Street Journal dropped from yeah. it. So yeah, not doing as well there. But yeah, it'll be interesting to to keep an eye on it. I'm trying out C right now, the Jason Momoa show. Oh, it came out it? like with the original release of yeah. Apple TV+. Plus. Um, it's not very good. I have I, not heard good things. I like Jason Momoa, so and I'm trying to give. I have um, I have uh, Apple T, Apple. Well, sorry, iCloud Plus, and so I get 
Okay, I'm getting confused now. The subscription for your iCloud account that's like a family account and you get all these things wrapped into it. What's it called again? Oh, man. Help We're me. stumping us. I think I want to say it's like Apple One or something. Apple One, yes. Okay, good. Now I feel like we can Apple still One. be okay. experts. I know. I was going to be like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> I have an Apple One subscription with my family, so I get Apple TV Plus bundled I in. see. I see. To me, I think maybe part of why I'm defending Apple TV Plus is that I actually caved and paid for it for a while. I canceled it after uh, Ted Lasso was over, but I paid for it to watch Ted Lasso, and I watched a few other shows and enjoyed it and a few movies. So I think it's doing okay. Cool. All right, iPhone SE. That was the next release <laughs> that Apple uh, went over today. The iPhone SE is sort of a strange product that I mean <laughs> it is in terms of it hasn't been an enormous hit for Apple but it also does have a it's a very accessible iPhone it's like much less expensive than any other one mm -hmm. and it seems to be sticking around and people do seem to like it although it's not like their biggest seller ever and so Apple came out with an iPhone SE that supports 5G or it's 5G capable and um, it still has touch ID they didn't switch it to Face ID. There were some rumors it would have MagSafe. It doesn't. It um, does. The big the big news there is it has the A15 chip. So it has the same chip, the same processor as the iPhone 13s, which is, you know, that's the major feature is what right. chip does it have. Uh, and it's an upgrade. The, uh, the second generation SE, this was, of course, the third generation, but the second generation SE had an A13 chip. So it's a, it's a big upgrade in terms of the processing power for the SE line. And they said it had better battery life, which I had the iPhone SE last year for a bit, and that was my biggest complaint is that it died really fast. Mm -hmm. But they didn't give any, any numbers on that. And so yeah. I wondered it must be somewhat incremental. Like it doesn't actually have like a bigger battery it's, oh, fi now it's, it's 15 hours. So the, the announcement they didn't say, but that's, yeah. that's significant. So the I'm I'm comparing it. Oops, I'm comparing it to the 13 Mini, which is an interesting comp because it's around the same size. But mm. the 13 Mini iPhone 13 Mini has 17 hours. The iPhone uh, SE third generation has 15 hours, and then the iPhone SE second generation, so the phone it's replacing, had 13. So it's it's decent. It's competitive. And that was like. David and I, when we talked before the podcast um, about the iPhone SE, we were saying we thought the iPhone 13 mini is a good device to compare this mm -hmm. one to because like this, the iPhone SE seems targeted towards people who are new iPhone users, maybe switching from Android. And so if you're kind of entering into the iPhone world, which iPhone would you want to buy? And it seems like a good idea that you might want to buy something a little less expensive, closer to Android prices. And the iPhone 13 mini and the iPhone SE are both the lowest cost, like new devices. Yeah, you know, I a friend of mine has a daughter who's like 12 years old and really wanted an iPhone because she mm -hmm. <laughs> needed a new phone. And my friend ended up buying her an Android purely based on price. And she was so sad about it. <laughs> and this was the exact phone that Apple needed for her and for people like her. For the people, either if you're buying it for your kids or you don't care that much, you just kind of want a cheap entry-level phone, but you want to go to, with Apple instead. It, this is, I think, a really great offering for Apple. It's a budget phone. It's a budget iPhone, which Apple 
hasn't really had. I mean, they've had the SE up until now, but it's been a pretty outdated phone. Uh, the last time they updated was a couple of years ago, and it had the A13 chip. So I think it's I think it's a nice phone for that. And the the point I was making is, especially for someone like if you're buying it for kids, it's smart for Apple because. Once you get into an ecosystem, you don't really want to switch. So if you have a budget phone, yeah, you may not be have as high margins on it. But, you know, if this 12-year-old girl gets an iPhone, when it's time for her to get her next phone and her next phone, she's going to want to keep buying iPhones. Mm -hmm. um, so having those entry level, I think, is important. And I think Apple did a pretty good job covering their bases. So it's I, I, I think we covered a lot of this. But just to finish the kind of comparisons here, it's... Um, it has the home button and touch ID. So that's the, in my mind, the biggest drawback is even though it's a similar form factor to the iPhone 13 mini, it is 4.7 inches instead of 5.4 inches. So it's a much mm -hmm. smaller screen for the size of device. You have the big bezel up top. You don't have the notch. You have the home button underneath it. But it's 5G. It's the same chip. It has a worse camera. But again, for a budget phone, that doesn't strike me as the end of the world. So overall, I think it's an, a pretty decent device for the money. It's $429 starting versus $700 for the iPhone 13 mini. Like to me, the iPhone 13 mini is not a budget phone. It's for people who want a smaller form factor, but they are not price sensitive. Whereas this is for people who are price sensitive. And the, um, the new iPhone SE is $30 higher uh, entry price than the past generation iPhone SE, but that's still keeping it very close in the, that range. And yeah. I mean, yeah, spending $250 less on the device, that's a significant. It's, it's a lot of times when we look at all these devices, especially say with iPhone, where you have the iPhone 13 Pro, the iPhone 13, and then you have mini and large, there's sort of a hard to dis explain like who is this device for this is the exception this is an obvious one who it's for this is for <laughs> budget conscious consumers who not just want, 12 year olds though. not just 12 year olds <laughs> no the, I, adults would love this phone if you are not somebody who needs the latest and greatest technology especially you know I, it's funny because we were one of the comps we were talking about in office and i was a little bit like discouraging it but like if you're someone who has an iphone 8 if you have an iphone 7 or a 6 and you know you need a new phone but you don't necessarily want like to buy an iphone 13 pro it's a good phone it's yeah. cheap it's a good phone and i this wasn't announced i'm gonna guess that the carriers will offer this for free like, oh really i think that i think that 429 price point is that price point where get a new contract and you get an iPhone for free. I don't, this is totally me speculating, but that's what I think will happen. I mean, that would definitely make it more compelling. And I, I was telling David too, I do think that some people prefer Touch ID too. And that's another good reason to buy yeah. this if you're one of those people. Um, my experience using, going back to Touch ID for a few months was that it wasn't that big of a deal. Really, Apple's Touch ID and Face ID work extremely well. So it's mm -hmm. not going to slow you down a ton, but it does eat into the screen space, which makes it not as nice. Um, I do think for that reason, I would much prefer the iPhone 13 mini if I was choosing yeah um, and ju i mean ju yeah just to make the counterpoint if you are not price conscious this is not the phone for you yeah like it does ha has a worse camera it has the screen is significantly worse not only in terms of size of display but also the quality of the display the camera is way worse like single i would lens single now we've lens. had we've had multiple lenses for years now on exactly. other devices so that's a little tough to take Battery it also life doesn't is have magsafe it doesn't have magsafe i've come now that like basically all third party accessory makers makes magsafe stuff save 
stuff, I use MagSafe constantly. Yeah. No, I I would not recommend this phone to people unless you don't want to spend the money on, on other phones. But it's a nice option. In other words, Apple could have made it a phone where it was hard to recommend even at a budget price. But they didn't do that. I think it's a great phone. If you can afford it, definitely get the 13. <laughs> yeah. And they kept the storage at the same place as the previous model. Yeah. Didn't see any gains there. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much it. I think um, it's great that they updated it. It's not, like, what do you think about 5G? That was something that was kind of hyped a lot during the event. Do you think that that's like going to make the iPhone SE sell a lot better? I think it's one of those things. I mean, first of all, if you live in a big city, it should. Right. Uh, we were talking about it in-house before this, and it's tricky because if you're in a rural area, you don't have 5G yet. Yeah. But I don't think anybody should be buying a phone that does not support 5G right now because it's coming. And as most people don't buy phones each year, and it future-proofs it. Like, 5G is so much better when you have access to it, and more and more people are going to have access to it coming soon. So I think it's not one of those things... I think very few people buy a phone because of 5G, but I don't think you should buy a phone that does not have 5G anymore. What do you think? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's a it's a little hard to say living in a rural area because I haven't had that firsthand experience of being like, wow, this is this is like so much better. Yeah. Um. So to me, I tend to like discount it for that reason. But I, I don't know. You've done more traveling lately. Have you noticed? I mean, it, part of what's really annoying about 5G is like the carriers are all trying to cheat and call things 5G that aren't like really the most 5G. Yeah. And so like I don't know that I've experienced lightning fast phones. I like when I go to like Iowa City, which is an hour away, it's like a medium sized town. Mm -hmm. I get 5G, but like it's not that fast. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know the 5G is technically a lot faster. I also have not had an experience that made me believe that 5G was going to like change my life. But I think it's largely just that I haven't been in a big enough city since I got my phone. Well, I've been yeah. in Chicago. I don't know. So yeah, <laughs> like, and I've also traveled some too, and I, I haven't noticed anything much yet. But I think I agree with your general premise that if you're going to buy a phone that you're going to keep for two or three years then it doesn't make sense to get one without it yeah. because like it is being rolled out and at some point it's going to be noticeable and you're going to want it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And the same thing really for the chip. Like even though, you know, in even though the older chips are still perfectly good, they're going to become outdated faster. And so having a newer chip, the A15 chip, just means you can keep your device for longer. Cool. Yeah, and so speaking of 5G, we got 5G in another device today as well, and that's the iPad Air. Yes. And the iPad Air, we actually haven't had an update on since 2020, I believe. So this one we were expecting we were going to get today, and we did. Um, the iPad Pro we got a year ago at the spring event with the M1 chip, and the iPad Air that came out now, we were all watching the event together being like, it's like the same as the iPad Pro. It has all the same features. And I mean, not, not all of them, but it has a lot of the iPad Pro features. So I just wanted to talk about that. Yeah. Um, what Did you have any thoughts on that? I mean, Apple is have, has a strange strategy with iPad right now. It's as if I was making the comparison. It's as if they launched the iPhone Pro in the fall and then in the spring launched the iPhone, but it was a better phone than the iPhone Pro. Like it makes no sense. Because, yeah, so let's first let's just start by talking about the specs so everybody knows what we're talking about here. Yeah. So the iPad Air it starts at $599 versus $799 for the iPad Pro. 
So it's $200 cheaper. It's the same screen size. The, one of the major differences and the only, one of the really only reasons to get the iPad Pro is the iPad Pro has the micro LED display. So it's a nicer LED display. Um, whereas, actually, is that even true? I, I think I'm wrong, actually. Um, no, it does. It has the micro LED display. Okay. Um, so it has the micro LED display, but they both have the M1 chip. So they have the same processor. Uh, and so they're functionally a very similar device. They both have 5G. They're both USB-C now. Like, they're very, very similar. You have to really look hard to see the difference. Really, the difference is the um, iPad Pro has a slightly nicer back-facing camera, but I don't think anybody cares about a back-facing camera on an iPad. And it has a nicer display, but the display on the iPad Air is perfectly good. So... Yeah, the point we're coming to is looking at this, it was a weird thing in that it was a great upgrade for Apple for an iPad Air, but you look at these two devices and it, I can't think of why anybody would buy an iPad Pro right now. Yeah, so that's kind of the point we're building towards. The iPhone SE, we're like, yeah, if you're budget conscious, buy it. With the iPad Air, it's like even if you're not budget conscious, you still might want to buy it. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, there's, they basically gave you, they basically said, here's the iPad you should buy. They deliberately made the iPad Pro seem pretty obsolete. Yeah, and you know it makes sense to me, David. The strategy that you think Apple has, because Apple's been doing this for a while with the iPad, like with the iPad Pro line and the iPad Air, is just giving you the iPad to buy for a certain period of time and then like staggering the releases. So presumably we'll get an updated iPad Pro with some pretty compelling features in the fall and then Apple will really be really pushing that sale. Yeah, they're I guess they're alternating years or they're I don't know, we'll Early see. seasons. Yeah, at least seasons. It's it's strange. I mean, cuz Yeah, clearly... I guess it could be till next spring that like if they follow the same uh, release schedule that they have been for the iPad Air it would be the spring. It's almost like Apple is trying to make it a two-year cycle but make it cheaper on the second year so they name it something different. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's super weird, which then, yeah, it makes me wonder what they're going to do with MacBook Pro and Air too. Like, yeah, because that was another weird one. That was something we didn't get was the MacBook Air, which we'll talk about. Um, but yeah, I think to kind of talk about the device that was announced. Yeah. It's a great device. Uh, what you get is you get an iPad that has the new M1 chip, which mm -hmm. is a really, really powerful chip for a tablet. Like this is what's running the iMac currently. So even in the iPad Pro, we were like, "Wow, they put the M1 chip in there." In some ways, it seems like wasted power. Yeah, because like, a lot of the stuff you do on your iPad doesn't even require it, and now they brought it to the air. So you get a really, really powerful chip, and you get. Uh, you know, you get 5G if you care about that, you mm -hmm. and you get you get it at a cheaper price. So it's a great device, it's a great offering by Apple. It's a no-brainer if you're looking to upgrade your iPad, in my opinion. Um, but it's a weird it's a weird business decision by Apple that we're struggling to wrap our heads around. And I really like on the iPad Air how they have Touch ID in the button um, instead of on the on the face of it. Doesn't this one have that or do they do face That's ID actually now? a really good question uh, that I don't know the answer to. Let, let's mm, look Let's here. find out. Do they Drum say? roll. Um, I'm sure they do. They must say somewhere here. 
Uh, Sorry, we're just scrolling through. Why don't I look and get and report back as we okay? Oh, touch ID. Yep. So they still are doing touch ID. So that's a difference between the Pro and the Air. But either way, you get the edge to edge display because they're putting it in the button. Uh, um, on top of your iPad so it's not taking up screen real estate. Yeah. Um, which is nice, I think. I mean, Face ID, some people might prefer. But, and, but your point, having recently tested out both, because it's been a long time since I've done Touch ID, your point is that you don't think Touch ID really is, is a big deal. Like, you I don't, don't mind find it to slow it. me down. Yeah. No. Like, it you works have to really well. sit there and pause for Face ID too. Yeah. So I don't think it's either way, it's like a split second of either reading your finger or reading your face. Yeah. I think both are really awesome. I have Touch ID on my MacBook Air and love it and works really yeah. well. So I think yeah. in general, Apple's like made really functional options with both. But I think the biggest downside of it is on the, uh, iPhone SE is just that it takes up space, you yeah, know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so we did get something for the Mac lineup, but it's not going to be for the everyday user, but we will, we'll still tell you all about it. Um, we got the Mac Studio, and then we also got this really sweet premium monitor called the Studio Display. So we want to talk about those, but we didn't get, we thought we were going to get a new MacBook Air, maybe even a second MacBook Pro option, or it probably was going to be one or the other, and we weren't sure just about the naming of it. Um, and an iMac was another rumored device that we did not get. Um, but so for the Mac line, we got the Mac Studio, which you can get with the M1 Max chip, or they then released another chip called the M1 Ultra, which was like <laughs> crazy <laughs> Uh, powerful like it seemed like we were expecting the price tag to end up being even higher than it ended up being on the Mac Studio because when as they were like spending all this time going through the specs we're like wow like this is gonna be like five thousand dollars or something which ended up being starting price of three nine three thousand nine hundred ninety nine super cheap yeah so cheap (laughs) yeah so let's start by talking about the chip because in some ways that's the most interesting story of Apple right now we have now had Let's do the math here. We have the M1, the M1X, the M1X Max, and then the M1X Ultra. Ultra. So we've had four chips released by Apple in one year, which is wild. By a company who has not released chips for computers probably, I want to say, since the late 80s, early 90s. So it's just been this crazy period. And of course, you know, we were a little bit skeptical early on, but these chips have been really well received. Um, I've, we were all a little snarky in the announcement because mm-hmm. if you name a chip the M1 Max, it seems like you should stop there. And if it's the Max, how do you have more power than that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but what they did, which was really interesting, was apparently when they built the M1 Max chip, they designed it in a way that they didn't announce publicly, but they designed it in a way where you could fuse two of them together. So and, it like doubles the power of the M1 Max. Yes, Basically, that's the and it's idea. Eight times the power of the regular old M1, <laughs> which was already a very powerful chip. Yeah. Um, so it's a r- insanely powerful chip, which is of course really for professional uses. Um, I don't think many people would buy this uh, chip or a computer with this chip if you were not trying to do something with, that required a lot of processing power, such as like video editing or computer animation, things like that. Weren't they giving examples too in the announcement of like software developers and stuff like that using it? Because if you were developing something that used a lot of graphics, like a video game or yeah, something like a that, video game, yes, developer. and it's something that would require a lot of graphics. Typically, is why you need such a powerful chip. Yeah, um, it was so satisfying looking. They showed people like 
exporting something from a bit graphics and having showing it going like lightning speed. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure everyone watching who's watched something export so slowly, like a video, like this podcast, like this podcast. we're drooling over that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so with this new Ultra chip, they re- they announced a new computer that goes with it, and they're calling it Mac Studio, mm-hmm. and it's pretty cool. So the Mac Studio can go up to 20 cores, which is wild, uh, versus the Mac Pro goes up to 10 cores. So it's literally double the chip. And all these specs are just going to be double, so I don't need to read them all. But it's I, I will because, <laughs> because they're cool and they're fun to geek out about. Um, 64-core GPU, uh, GPU's graphic processing. So again, that's if you're doing a lot of like video editing, things like that. 128 gigabytes of RAM, which just to pause there, up until this year, the highest you could go on RAM for almost every Mac on the market was 16 gigabytes. Now you can go up to 128 gigabytes of RAM, which is unified memory. Uh, And you can get up to eight terabytes of storage. So this again is a computer for we were I was saying sort of a prosumer. If you are really, really needing a top of the line twenty thousand dollar machine, let's say you're doing like Hollywood movies or something, this might not be for you, but it starts at two thousand dollars. Um so it's not a crazy starting point. So but it's it's two thousand yeah. dollars for the M one Max chip. Yes, exactly. Um and it's the starting price is four thousand for the M one Ultra. Yeah. Um in terms of what it looks like, it looks just like a tall Mac Mini. Yeah. They're like, it's completely redesigned. <laughs> and it's just like a tall Mac Mini. But also like that's a lot of computer for a tall Mac Mini. Uh-huh. Like if you compare it to and that's again true. the Mac Pro that's on the market now that looks like a cheese grater is a very <laughs> large, chunky cheese grater. <laughs> it looks exactly like a cheese it's grater. It's bizarre. Yeah, but it does seem like seeing this, uh, the Mac uh, specs here, or it doesn't make you drool over it and want it, even though it's so expensive. I just got my MacBook Pro. Yeah. And I love it so much that I am not particularly drooling over it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really great offering. If you're a prosumer, if you're somebody who's doing any type of heavy lifting on a computer in an office setting where you don't need to be mobile, it's a really nice offering Um, in a way that I think the Mac Pro was just sort of not quite doing it. Um, But I don't think I I, I don't want it personally because I love my laptop and I don't do anything that needs that type of power. Yeah, I also it's interesting for me to realize that all the desktop stuff doesn't really appeal to me as much because I I really now like having just a notebook that I can take with me. Mm-hmm. So like the your MacBook Pro I was drooling over and being like, <laughs> oh man, like like I feel like that's something I would want to spend more for at some point. But something that's just so desktop based I can't bring with me isn't mm-hmm. that appealing, especially because I also like don't need that level of power. Like I'm not doing gra- a ton of graphics processing, yeah. So I don't really need it. Um, I if they had come out with a MacBook Pro or a MacBook Air that was more powerful than the one that I had today, that might have been more interesting to me. It's an interesting era because as Mac as laptops have become more powerful, and as us as a society has become more remote in terms of like not necessarily needing to be in an office as much, yeah. Laptops have sort of become the standard, at least for us in our company, and I think a lot of companies, where even the people in our company that are doing video editing, graphic design, they're using laptops a lot because they're powerful enough, and then you can come to an office when you want, but you're not tied to one. 
So that's where this is a tough computer. I think it has, I think for the right person, again, this is a, something that fits very nicely into Apple's lineup, but it's not going to be for everyone. Uh, one last point on this is they did not announce, uh, well, they actually at the very end announced that they will be coming out with a new Mac Pro, uh, and that's coming at some point. They didn't say when. So that was an interesting little tease, because if this starts at 4,000, the Mac Pro is going to be, I don't even know, 10, 20,000. You so the pro is going to be top of the line. Pro yeah. is going to be top top of the line, not for any, not for you and me, and probably not for anyone listening. Yeah. Can I tell you what I am drooling over? Actually, if everything over on this, this too. Uh, everything in the announcement, the one thing that got me really wanting to pull out my wallet was the studio display. Yes. So I was going to say, and this is well suited to people who like having a laptop that they can just carry around and plug in to whatever mm -hmm. workstation they want. And so that's the studio display. It's this gorgeous monitor. It has a ton of Thunderbolt connectors. Um, it, here, what, what else about it? So, okay. It has I, an awesome webcam. It has a great webcam. So those, uh, like, those longtime listeners know, like, m my setup and Donna's setup, what we do is we have laptops, mm -hmm. but then we have a station at our office that has a really nice display. It has a keyboard and a mouse. So all you need to do is you dock your laptop in, and you suddenly have a dual display with your laptop and a monitor that we have, and you have a very powerful workstation. The monitors that we have been using up until now was an LG monitor that Apple partnered with to create three, four years ago, maybe. And we absolutely love it. And this is sort of the, the heir apparent for that. Um, so it's a really beautiful display. So it's 27 inches, uh, 5K, has really excellent quality uh, display, true tone. It also, interestingly enough, this is what you were getting, what you were starting to say, has a processor in it, an A13 processor. So that allows it to have, I think, a higher quality video and audio setup. So it has a really nice, um, has a really nice webcam. It has nice audio, and it has all of the compatibility for Mac. So it has all those Thunderbolt displays. Just a really beautiful display, and it's sixteen hundred dollars. So that is not cheap, but it is not these crazy like prices for video editing professionals that Apple's display prior to that was their pro display, which was $5,000. So it's affordable yeah. relative to that. And I think we've been sort of eased into it because we are sold on the LG, which is $1,200. Yeah. Um, that you can get an LG one with a smaller display that I think was closer to 1000 or maybe like 800 But the ones that David and I have are a bit bigger and 1200 and were sold that they're worth buying. Like it makes it just so much easier to be productive having a really nice, high quality, big screen, and also being able to use your uh, laptop display as like your other window. Like I really do feel like it makes me more productive. Yeah. Um, well, and one thing I was saying too, because I, I was like, it's not that expensive. And then someone in the office who does uh, a little bit more PC type things mm -hmm. was like, you know, you can get a really nice display for like 600 bucks. <laughs> and, uh, and, but the thing is, is that I have a really nice display for $600 at home. 
that I bought with that exact thought process of, oh, I don't need to spend $1,500 on a display. I'll, I'll get a good enough one for $600. And it just never quite works right. First of all, these displays, one of those weird things that like you don't think you care about until you do is these displays are color corrected the same way as your Mac. So when you plug it in, the display is going to look exactly the same. All the colors are going to be the same, especially when you have dual monitor. That's really nice. And especially as you have true tone, like as the light goes down in the sky, your mon two monitors will adjust the same. Whereas I have an HP at home, which is fine, but it always either looks too yellow or too bright. And it just never quite looks right to me. The quality of the display isn't quite as good. And when I plug it in, it doesn't just like work. Like the Apple, you plug in a monitor and it just works. All of my accessories just suddenly work right away. It's not that same level of compatibility as this. And so, I, I mean, obviously, you have to be able to afford it. It's expensive. But, oh, man, I love my display now. And this one looks even better. This is one of those examples of like, you don't even want to try nice products sometimes because you're like, now I'm totally spoiled and yeah. I can't go back. <laughs> you, can't, you can't go back. And I know that I sound really dorky, <sighs> just really loving a monitor, but I no. love it. And it's I want this really badly. <laughs> yeah, because this will be like the LA LG monitor on steroids. It'll be, it's it, again, like I said, it's the one thing from this announcement that I actually would like to buy. <laughs> well, it's cool too, because it makes you feel like you have a really big iMac, but you also just have the portability of your laptop. Yeah. Like it's just, you kind of get the best of both worlds. It really, if you can afford it, it's a really great setup to have a laptop with an, with a second monitor. Yeah, actually, you need three of them if you want an editing bay. They were showing those a lot of the announcement <laughs> of having three, and you can connect your one laptop to three, which is pretty cool. But Again, that's going to be a specific consumer that needs that. Well, Andy, if you need a home office, so you need to buy one for your home office. Yeah. That's, that's really what, that's the heartbreak I'm feeling right now is I really want to buy this for my home office. And I'm like, oh, that's so expensive. Uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> well, wow, we got through all the different um, products. Oh, we didn't get about, talk about their availability. I'm pretty sure all of them are um, not shipping until March 18th. The iPhone SE and the iPad Air, you can pre-order beginning Friday. The Mac Studio and Studio Display, you can order today, pre-order okay. today, but they don't ship until March 18th. Um, I think we went over all the prices. So question of the week, what devices that we mentioned today do you want to buy? Email us at podcast.iphonelife.com and let us know what you think. And let me ask you, because I clearly have made my stance known. <laughs> are, are there, what devices, if any, would you want to buy from this announcement? So the studio display is definitely my number one yeah. also. Uh, the iPad Air, I'm intrigued by. I was going to ask, do you have, what I is your have, iPad status right now? I have the base level. I got the, like, I think it was 2020 okay. base iPad. And I, like, the quality of the display is just really inferior yeah. to what I'm used to at this point because I've been using like new nice Apple devices for a long time. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, that's my biggest complaint with it. It's like, I don't know that I need, um, you know, a better camera on my iPad or things like that. You're going to love the better processor too. The better processor. I think the touch IDs and the edge to edge display, and then just the higher quality display mm -hmm. all seem really appealing and it's still not that expensive. Um, no, I mean, starting at five ninety nine. Um, I, I don't think I would get the cellular model with 5g just cause I don't really want to pay and have another like monthly fee. Yeah, I know. Um, so I think I'm in the minority here because every time we talk about this, everybody says 
not worth it. It's not worth it. I think it's worth it, and I love it. Yeah, so a and you and I points. both like to travel, and yeah. so for travel, it could be something nice it's for me. It's really nice to like just have access to it when you're on the go, if you're in an airport or if you're in a hotel that doesn't have Wi-Fi, especially these hotels that charge for Wi-Fi is so annoying. That's true. Um, and here's the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize. You don't need to pay a monthly fee. You can pay a fee for when you need it. Oh, how do you do that? Is that like annoying to manage or? No, it's usually it's like you buy like five gigabytes the last three months or something like that. Huh. And then so just I don't pay monthly, but whenever I'm going to go travel, I buy this and it's usually like 10 or $15. It's not that expensive. And then I have it for when I'm on the go. If I'm like someplace where I don't have Wi-Fi, but I want to watch a movie or I need to check my email and do some work. And especially because it's like my laptop doesn't have data. And so it's really nice to have something I can work from that I have cellular data on. Yeah, I know. It's a good point. But of course, you need to spend the extra 150 bucks to do it. So it is, it's not nothing. But that definitely feels less like just paying that up front. I don't have as much of a problem with as like thinking I'm just ongoing, paying an extra whatever amount per month and like knowing that you don't have to do it that way. Yeah. Makes me feel better. And iPads are devices, in my opinion, that you don't need to buy every year. Like I, no. I mean, iPhones you don't need to buy every year, but they're tempting to buy every year. iPads, I'm not even really tempted to buy them except for every two, three years. I was going to say even four sometimes. Based on the pace yeah. of innovation, like you're fine with an iPad that's two, three years old. Um so with that in mind, it's sometimes worth paying a little bit extra to get the data. That's my logic. I tell myself every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> David's always like, well, you have to pay for the best one. Yeah. No. I know. I always say <laughs> at that. At the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. But I think a lot of you listening at home are on our page. You're, you love your Apple devices too. Yeah. So um, before we signed off for the day, I wanted to just mention iOS 15.4. I've now, I've gotten back on the Apple um beta program just so that I'm keeping abreast of like the pro of the features that are coming out in public releases soon mm -hmm. to share with you guys. And um, I'm excited that they finally, of course, like as the pandemic is lifting more or like, hopefully we'll see. No, but like anyway, um, they have released a feature that makes face ID work with your mask. Oh, I know. I saw that too. And I'm excited for it, but it's also, why did it take you three years like to what? do this? It doesn't seem, <laughs> and like they're basically just say it's, it's less secure than before so clearly like I don't even know that they're using like way better technology no. they're just finally being like yeah it's less secure but you can wear your mask and not worry about it because it's been such a pain it's such a all hassle. this time to deal with that but I was glad to see that and there um there's some new emojis too there's a lip biting <laughs> emoji and like a few <laughs> other ones but it is always fun like I mean I know all of us use emojis a lot so it's fun to have some new options oh totally um but yeah I wanted to make sure to be telling you guys what's coming up up in that way uh, on the podcast. Are you on the beta program too? Or? I am. I mean, I get on it when the new operating system comes out, but I don't stay on it usually. So mm. I, I'm not testing this currently. Yeah. One thing that's annoying about being on the beta when other people aren't is like if I tried to send anyone not on the beta the new emojis, it just shows up as a weird like X. Yeah, exactly. So that takes some of the fun out of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, iPhone Life Insider is our premium premium subscription. I wanted to mention too just some of the content we have coming out soon um, so that you can tune into that and subscribe ahead of time. We're teaching a camera app course 
in April. And um, that's going to be one where we're going to go over all the fundamentals of photography, using your camera, all the different settings in the camera app from HDR to live photos to portrait mode um, to, to some of the uh, photo editing principles as well in your camera app. So um, it's going to be really awesome. We have our senior instructor, Colin Thomas, teaching it, who is really, really great at breaking things down in a step-by-step -step manner and um, making it fun and easy to learn. So again, go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount to sign up for Insider. And we'll see you all next episode. Thanks, everyone. And don't forget to send us an email. Let us know what products you're interested in. Yeah. Podcast at iphonelife.com. Bye. Bye. <laughs>